0: For some time now on the back of the bulletin, we've had this little statement, meeting you where you are and walking alongside you on your spiritual journey to a life with greater meaning. We called it a tagline or an identity statement, and the idea was that you could use it to talk to others about their own faith journey and about your church. Uh, And today we begin a sermon series, walking together, looking at the first part, meeting you where you are, and the scripture reading is the story of Jesus meeting a woman at a well. It's John chapter 4, beginning at verse 3. Jesus left Judea and started back to Galilee, but He had to go through Samaria. So He came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by His journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon, The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband for you've had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet." What could it possibly mean to meet people where they are? If our church has decided that's who we will be, and if you dare to be so brave as to talk to neighbors or coworkers or friends about faith and God, what does it mean to meet them where they are? Is that just a cliché? What does it mean? Here's an image I've been kind of playing with. You know those maps that you sometimes see in public places that have the you are here dot? Like you're at a state park, you're on a trail, it's hot and you're trying to get back to your car and then you see that map. Oh, okay, we're here, this is where we go. Or maybe you're in an airport, an, an unfamiliar one and you're changing flights to another plane to get back to Kansas City, to get back home because we are all trying to get back home, literally spiritually. That's the image I've been playing with. What would it mean to encounter people where they are? You are here. In his latest book, theologian Andrew Root describes a fictional congregation he calls St. John. And they as a church are trying to figure out where they are and where they are headed. And so Root describes some of the characters in the church. There's Bert, he's a lawyer in his mid fifties. And he's kind of stepped up into some leadership roles in the life of the church lately. And there's a woman named Jean who used to be very active, but she's older now. And in fact, she develops cancer and dies. And that's when another character shows up. Her oldest or youngest grandchild, estranged for the most part, who goes by Waz, W-O-Z, Woz, he shows up because she's passed away, shows up at the funeral. They don't know him. Waz's, you are here dot, has pretty much been in the gutter for a long time. Alcohol, drugs, that kind of thing. But his grandma's passed away, and so he comes to the funeral. And when it's over, Bert and the others are straightening the hymnals and getting the bulletins out of the pews, and then they see this young man. And he introduces himself, and he says, she was my grandma. And grandma always said three things. One, take care of your teeth. It's the only set you get two, take care of your finances or else your life's going to fall apart, and three, be sure to find God. Well, he and Bert talked for a little bit, and Waz says, so I've made an appointment to see a dentist, first time in years, and a friend showed me how to open an IRA, but I'm here to find God. Well, they talked for a little longer, and then Bert says, you know, why don't you come back midweek? We have a Bible study. And And amazingly, he does. He shows up. He tells the little group sitting around in a circle about the three things. And then he looks at them and he says, so can you tell me how to find God? Well, the silence is really awkward. I mean, these people have been in church their whole life, but no one's ever asked them, how do you find God? And finally this woman named Sue breaks the silence. Oh honey, of course we can. And then she looks at the group, can we? Do we, do we have any idea how to find God around here? Is, is it a matter of you find the you are here dot and the God is there dot, and then you just connect them. Is that what it means to meet people where they are? In the gospel reading for today, not surprisingly, Jesus is our role model and the disciples, not surprisingly, are not. The writer of the gospel says that Jesus had to go through Samaria, which is not exactly true. Let let, let me illustrate it this way. If you're driving from Oklahoma City to Des Moines, Iowa, you're probably going to go through Kansas and Missouri, but only if you stay on I-35. You could, I wouldn't recommend it, you could go around Well, in Jesus' day, if you were going from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north, the route went through Samaria. But a lot of Jews got off the interstate and went around. Not not Samaria. But Jesus had to go through Samaria. It's not a a geographical statement. It's a theological statement. He, He had this encounter with this woman. And it was just a conversation about water that somehow became about God. And I've seen that happen on a golf course or wherever. You you just never know. Now, scholars have for a long time pointed out the strikes that are against this woman. You know the saying, three strikes and you're out. Well, she has at least three, maybe four. And I think each one kind of gives us a glimpse as to how we might have a conversation with others about God and spirituality and faith. The first strike against her is she's a woman. She's a woman in a man's world. And that was true not just in the first century, but unfortunately for some people, their religious journey still has it that way. Women can bake for the social and clean up, but you can't have them praying at the table. You can't have a senior minister who's a woman. I mean, that that just wouldn't be right. One way that you can have a conversation with people on their spiritual journey is to simply ask them, what has been the role of women that you have known in the churches that you have attended in society? How do you view the role of women? That'll get a conversation going. Second strike, she's a foreigner. The Samaritans were sort of half-breed Jews. And even to this day, if you wanna get a conversation going, it's a really great question, ask people. In your own faith journey, in the church where you grew up, or where you go now, how did, how did you respond to immigrants on our southern border or to Afghan refugees settling in Kansas City? That'll tell you something about where people are. The third strike is kind of hard to miss. It's the five husbands thing. But the problem is we bring 21st century culture to an ancient text. In the first century, women did not file for divorce. They were filed upon. For this woman to have had five husbands means she has been left five times. Now, here's a really good question. Ask someone in their faith journey, Has Christianity always been for you about sitting up and flying right, doing the right thing, or has it been ministering to those who are hurting? Has it always been, you need to do this, you... I've heard people talk about how in the church they were told, you can't take communion if you're not right with God. Ask them how they feel about ministering to those who are hurting and not just chastising And the fourth strike, it's religion, just religion. These Samaritans, they were half Jews, they they were Jews and they worshiped, but they had a different temple, they had a different kind of practice. One really basic thing is to just simply ask people, what's religion like for you? What, What has been your journey? And the point is not to get out a checklist and see where they agree with you or us, But to listen to where they are. Where are they on the journey? Now, I don't technically have a job description that says talking to people about their faith, but I'm pretty sure it's kind of implied. So I get paid to do that. And if you're in the camp that says, well, I don't get paid to do that. No, thank you. Well, I want to give you three little helpful hints here. And the first one comes from that book by Root. He says, there's a difference between two kinds of knowing, There is a knowing with precision and there's a knowing with mystery. So, so for instance, knowing with precision, if you have a physician who's about to operate on a tumor in your brain, you want someone who knows with precision. I do not want a doctor who says, you know, the brain's just a big mystery. We don't have a clue how it works. Uh, No thanks. But if it comes to religion, I'm not sure I want someone who talks with precision as much as someone who acknowledges we don't have all the answers. You don't have to know everything to talk. You can stumble your way through the way all of us do. The second thing, it's a note of encouragement. Jesus didn't always get it right. He got it right here. The disciples, not so much. But there's another story in the Gospels. Jesus encounters a woman. She's a foreigner, different religion, and he pretty much blows it. This woman comes to him. She has a sick child, and she says, it's demon possessed, and would you please do something about it? And Jesus ignores her. He he turns to the disciples and says, you know, I was only sent to the Jews. Well, she gets in his face, she says, Lord, help me. And he finally addresses her with a little metaphor, he says, you know, it's not right to take the, the, the bread, the food that belongs to the children, a.k.a. the Jews, and give it to the dogs under the table, a.k.a. you Gentiles, and the woman will not be turned away. She says, well, you know, even the dogs get crumbs, and he's impressed. I mean, he's impressed, and he's moved by this. He heals the child, but more than that, his worldview has changed. Just prior to that story, Jesus feeds thousands of people with the bread and the fish in the wilderness, but they're all Jews. After that story, he feeds thousands again, but they're Gentiles. Jesus' worldview was changed. See, that's the thing. If you listen to somebody where they are on their journey, it will reflect where you are as well. And if it bothers you, that there could be an interpretation of the Bible that Jesus could have messed up, well, then that's where you are on your journey. We don't all have to be at the same place. And the third thing, well, it's a story. I don't know if it'll help you or not. 20 years ago, a little over that. I was on my first sabbatical from the seminary, and a school in London had invited me to come, and all I had to do the whole month we were there, one day a week, go in and give a lecture. Well, this was great. They put us up, whole family was there. We did all the touristy things, you know, Windsor Castle, Big Ben, all of it, and had a blast. We even saw the Queen one day. Well, Most of the days, the way we got around is the way people get around in London. They go underground, right? To the tube, the subway system. And it's brilliant, it works, not a problem. They have the UR here maps, you know, the little dot. But sometimes we just couldn't quite figure out how to get from here to there. So I would walk over, find somebody in the orange vest or a policeman, I'd say, yes, we're trying to get to Covent Garden or whatever it was. And this is what they would always do. Very simple, mate. You take the Jubilee line, three stops. You get off there, change to the whatever line, go two stops, you're there. And so I'm memorizing this, okay, you take the Jubilee line, and I'm walking off, or, or mate, hang on, you could, and they would go into two or three sets of instructions. Well now I'm totally lost. I'm walking back over to the family, and I would say, I have no clue. I have no clue. I have three sets of directions, none of which I memorized. We're, we're lost. The way I'm kind of thinking about it is that it is not that hard to figure out the you-are-here dot. Yours or your neighbors, your friends, coworkers. it's not that hard to figure out. But I can't tell you where the God-is-there dot is. I don't know how to find God, but that's okay because we're on the journey and we're seeking God together.